Oh yeah, we're excited, so excited if you're here. We are continuing, we're finishing up our series on Sensing God, and again, those who are watching online, so excited that you're taking time you know, out of your schedule. We know, you know, as you just saw from Drew, this is that camping, hunting, hiking, you know, wakeboarding kind of season that we're entering into, and so just continue to make us a part of what God needs to do in your life on a regular basis. And again, I just want to remind you again, you know, that this next week, Father's Day weekend on Sunday's that car show, but many of you also uh, have not heard or don't know that we have a guest speaker, you know, that will be here. His name is Dave Stone. Uh, Dave Stone was actually a, a lead pastor of one of the largest churches in the country until uh, recently. He's kind of retired from that, and he was available, and I said, Dave, you got to come. And so I'm so excited for him to be able to be here, you know, this next week. And so invite your friends, you know, to the Father's Day experience. And as Kenny already mentioned, July 4th, you know, that's happening. You know, be here uh, a Thursday night, normal services. I want to make sure that's emphasized, normal services with that barbecue, you know, with the food that's going to be given out, but also want you to know that one service, you know, on that Sunday morning. So it's going to be great. Uh, wrapping up this four-week series, you know, on uh, Sensing God, I don't know about you, but it's been a very enlightening one for me. I mean, I've gone through this now, and every single week, and I think I've already mentioned this before, I could do four weeks on each one, because I've never seen things in the, in the way that it's kind of been revealed, you know, as we kind of opened up the passage, that it says, taste and see that the Lord is good, and then you start seeing all the ways that God has designed and wired us to connect with Him through the senses that He created us to have, and how we connect with one another. Uh, for example, we've already looked at seeing, you know, hearing, and touching. Uh, by the way, um, I'm never going to preach on touching again uh, because you people touched me way too much, you know, last week, and it got awkward many times. And I'm talking to some of you guys. You know exactly who I'm talking to. Today we're going to combine because I'm, I'm just running out of time. We got Father's Day, you know, it's next week. We're going to combine smell and taste together. And so um, I actually went on to social media and I just asked, you know, what was some of the worst tasting or smelling things, you know, that you had? I've had over 200 responses. I mean, I ask you if you love Jesus and I get 50, you know, but uh, 200 responses when I ask, what was the time? And boy, you put down some things like skunks or vomit or old food that's left over or baby diapers, you know, the like. There were so many, you know, examples of these memories that you had based on this awful encounter, taste, or smell. Uh, in fact, um, my younger brother and I, uh, Nathan, uh, we, we, we got along most, most of the time. Uh, but in college, uh, we were serving out in East Los Angeles together doing ministry. And uh, as we, uh, I got kind of the, near the end of my time there, um, he thought what would be hilarious is uh, we had this little skit called Larry the Fish. Now, Larry the Fish, we would uh, find ways to actually destroy Larry in front of youth ministry. It made no spiritual redemption saving sake whatsoever. It was just funny and disgusting, which is why we did it in middle school ministry. Ministry. And so um, he thought what would be really funny is to put a dead trout on my radiator. Uh, and un unbeknownst to me, for several days, I started to have this smell. And it just grew more and more and more. I just could not figure out where it was coming from. Open up the hood, and there's what was remained a carcass of this trout. So I cleaned it off. And for the next several months until we sold the van, it would not go away. 
In fact, I drove so illegally, I put the most high-powered, high-sensing candles that I could buy, and yes, I lit them and drove everywhere I could to try to actually get the wafting you know, that was out of my nostrils. And I thought that was bad, but nothing took the cake. Then in, also in college, uh, we were in a basketball <laughs> season, and one of our friends was a extra sweaty, you know, we'll just say that. He was a sweaty, you know, guy. And so um, uh, he would sweat after games and we'd go on road trips. Well, the problem was one week he grabbed his uniform, took it off, and he stuck it in his bag. So, so a week goes by and uh, we end up in a different location and it's 15 minutes before game time, you know, before it's supposed to run out. And he's like, where's my uniform? He's like, oh yeah, I left it in my bag. He reaches in and if you've ever, you know, cleared a room, you know, with an order, odor, this is what this guy did. He literally put it out, and everybody's just like, oh, dude, you know, can you believe that? And, and, and we had no extra uniforms. So he put this uniform on, which was the greatest defense that anybody could play <laughs> against somebody else. I'm not kidding. People would get near him and be like, oh, man, what is wrong with you? you know? And he's like, what? I don't smell anything. <laughs> it was legendary. It was his best game by far. You see, taste and smell, you know, understand, are so powerfully linked together. So powerfully linked together. In fact, uh, another memory you know, that I have is when I was in about third grade. Uh, my younger brother and I, we went uh, to the Canadian, near the Canadian border, and while we were there, we saw this big, big, big sign that said, the best ice cream in the area. So we pull off and we go in and, and it literally is on a dairy farm. And so we get out, we walk inside, and they give us this ice cream. And I've never tasted better ice cream. I really have never tasted such good ice cream. And I'm licking it, and I'm eating it, and I'm licking it. And my dad says, hey, it's time to go. And as soon as I stepped out of the store, the winds had changed, and all we smelled was the dairy cows. And so with every lick that was wonderful became a lick of manure that was in my mouth every time. And I just looked at my dad and he says, yep, son, you can throw it away. So I just chucked it away. I'm like, that's just disgusting. But it was always one of those memories on how our taste as well as our smell are so intertwined. Uh, in, in fact, 75 to 95% of your taste is determined by your ability to smell. That's what scientists have told us. COVID's most common impact was the lost loss of taste and smell. Nothing smelled good, which meant nothing tasted good. In fact, what was weird is I've talked to some people who've had COVID uh, where they said, I had COVID and I still had the cravings, but I could not satisfy the cravings in my brain, even though I was eating the foods that would normally satisfy those cravings because my taste buds and my smell was not working right. And you know this to be true even pre-COVID. You know this uh, when you have a real stuffed up nose and you're just like, this just doesn't taste well. But there is something powerful in a positive way when smell and taste come together. And just like I told you how I was remembering things even in preparation for this conversation that brought me back, some of you might remember this clip that also brought this person back as well.
Ratatouille? They must be joking. If you've seen that movie Ratatouille, uh, you know that it, the instant he tasted that, it reminded him of something in his childhood. If I were to ask you, you know, of things like your favorite meal and the times in which you'd have it, it wouldn't take you long to remember when, where, and with whom you had that meal. The same thing happens when we have, you know, things that are odors and things that, that hit us as we come into environments. In fact, uh, they tell us that smell is the number one trigger for memories. More than anything else, that smell is the number one trigger. You know, I, I remember, you know, every time I go onto a football field grass, I remember when I was in high school, when, when I go into a gym and pick up a basketball, you know, I remember those days playing basketball. There are so many of those kinds of smells that remind me. In fact, this last week, uh, I got a chance to go visit, you know, a church, and as I walked in, the smell hit me. Now, not in a bad way, but it instantly reminded me of the church that I grew up in. There was a smell that reminded me. It was the same, you know, kind of smell, which I encouraged them to actually modernize it a little bit, but you know, it was one of those things that remind me back in that day. Uh, for many of you, when you go out into the woods and you just get that campsite up and you light the fire and you sit back, the smell is what harkens you back to those good, those pleasant, those encouraging times in your life. In fact, scientists also tell us that 75% of emotions are triggered by smell. And companies spend millions and millions of dollars of scent in order to try to entice us to enter into their place of establishment. Smell and taste affect us physically, emotionally, but it also affects us spiritually. And that's one of the things that we usually don't think of when, again, we think of our senses. Now, I never realized how important our noses were until I went back to the beginning when God created Adam and Eve. In fact, this was new to me, you know, in Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, it says, then the Lord God formed the man from the dust on the ground. Notice what he did next. He breathed the breath of life, where? Into the man's nostrils. And the man became a living person. I don't know why, I always, always thought it was like he breathed on him, you know, or he breathed, you know, mouth to mouth or whatever it may be, but it was into his nostrils. See, life is enhanced through the taste and smell that God has created us to be experienced in a positive way, but we also know it can also be negative, not just in, oh, that was an awful taste or a smell, but you know that smell can trigger an addiction. You smell it again, and all of a sudden the temptation to engage in that in which you're smelling can lead to something else. Too much food and taste can quickly lead to gluttony, and instead of worshiping the God who created food, how often have we gone to the food instead of God, as our God, to fill something that only God was created to give us. See, let me remind you that it was food that was the gateway to the fall. 
in the Garden of Eden, right? It was pleasing to the eye, and she she took a bite because she had to taste and see what it was like. And on the opposite end, when we fast, when we take time away from food, you understand that our smell and our taste actually gets heightened in the midst of those moments when we actually end the fast. See, our spiritual purposes for our ability to smell is not going to be contained in the few minutes that we have. So let me just kind of open up this conversation. You see, six days before the Passover celebration began, Jesus was visiting his friends once again in Bethany. And it was Martha, it was Lazarus, who's just been raised from the dead, and it was Mary. So then it says this, then Mary took a 12-ounce jar of expensive perfume made from the essence of nard, which is highly valuable, and she anointed Jesus' feet with it, wiping his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance. See, in her worship of God, she thought to herself, how can I show God how much I love him? How can I demonstrate this? And and a lot of times we think, just like Judas is about ready to object, be like, wait a minute, Mary, do you understand? You could have sold that and given it to the poor. How dare you take money that should have been used for the poor and spend it on worshiping Jesus? Right? We, we can kind of put these, this idea of where things should be used into boxes, and yet this is an expression of her love for her Lord and her Savior, and it was an expression that everybody got to experience as they sat and smelled what God had created in her worship of God. See, we have an opportunity to offer sacrifice and love in specific ways as well. As I've already mentioned, God created us with this amazing ability specifically to smell, those smells that we can go through life. I mean, you think about bread and chocolate chip cookies. In fact, why don't we have a little bit of fun, you know, um, with this. Here's what I need you to do. I'm going to show you some pictures, and as I show you those pictures, I kind of want you, even, even where you're at or as you're watching online, just to take a second and inhale so you kind of have a visual as well as a mental and then obviously, you know, an experiential opportunity for what these things would smell like. So here would be one really positive smell. Okay, the smell of pizza. Okay, so pizza. I know we're going to have that, you know, come up on. It's coming, it's coming. Pizza's coming. I know it's coming. Smelling the pizza. All right, so we got a smell, you know, of pizza, you know, is, is one of those things. You know, on the opposite, though, you know, there's some other smells based on pictures, you know, that we go through that may not have the same response. So there's pizza. Smell that. Now, if you've been on the opposite end, here's what I also want you to smell. Go and go to the next picture. All right, we're going to skip this section. All right. So that was, that was fun. So here's what you need to understand. That's what's disgusting. Absolutely disgusting. Right? Very spoiled milk. You know, sometimes you don't even taste it, you know, and you're just like, ugh. So look at it. It's good. It's not, it's disgusting. Do we have another picture? All right, Drew, we're moving on. Okay, our prayers, what you need to understand is our prayers like incense are a pleasing aroma to God. It's a pleasing aroma to God. Have you ever thought about that? That our God smells? 
Like, like, no, no, he's, he's worship, he's, a, he's spirit, he's up there. No, 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 God he smells. I don't know if he's got a nose, I don't know what it looks like, you know, uh, but I know that he smells because in Exodus chapter 30, the first time we see this phrase in the Bible is this one. Every morning when Aaron maintains the lamps, he must burn fragrant, fragrant incense on the altar, this powerful smell. And each evening when he lights the lamp, he must again burn incense in the Lord's presence. This must be done from generation to generation. Generation. As with most aspects of the Old Testament worship, incense was a symbol that pointed to a greater reality. You see, the aroma of incense was a physical picture of the prayers of God's people that were literally wafting up to heaven. What a picture. Uh, David even says it this way in, in Psalms chapter 141, verse 2, accept my prayer as incense offered to you, and may upraised hands as an evening offering. Well, one of the things you might experience during worship, you know, especially if you're able to come on a Thursday night if you're watching online, is that we've got a group of students, and as they, they're worshiping God, there's this hand that's raising. What are they doing? They're offering themselves a, a form of prayer to God, raising as an evening offering to Him. And you can do this on a regular basis. Or in Revelation, this is what we read at the end times, then another angel with a gold incense burner came and stood at the altar and a great amount of incense was given to him to mix with the prayers of God's people as an offering on the gold altar before the throne. Prayers, this idea. See, you need to understand that what God loves is aromas. Now, a lot of you guys love the scented candles and the essential oils, you know, and yes, I did advertise for you. You're welcome, ladies. You know, and, and uh, the, these aromas that are just, just helpful, the, this uh, aroma to God looks like this. It's a sacrifice. Sacrifice is the aroma to God that just uplifts him and, 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 and brings a spirit about him. And we see this in three ways. First, we see the sacrifices in the Old Testament. There's the aroma of God, the aroma to God that is pleasing to him. In Genesis chapter 8, it says, So Noah, his wife, and his sons, and their wives left the boat. And all of the large and small animals and birds came out of the boat, pair by pair. Then Noah built an altar to the Lord, and there he sacrificed as a burnt offerings the animals and birds that had been approved for that purpose. And the Lord's, Lord was, notice this, pleased with the aroma of the sacrifice. And he said to himself, I will never again curse the ground because of human race. Even though everything they think or imagine is bent toward evil from childhood, I will never again destroy all living things. If you ever want to make somebody else a peace offering, just like God who loves barbecue, so do other people. Right? You ever been to a barbecue and you just walk in... Yes, that's what I need. I need that steak. I need that chicken. I need whatever it is. And God's like that pleasing aroma is a sacrifice to him. Do you know that Jesus is the greatest sacrifice that's pleasing to God from an aroma's sake as well? In Ephesians chapter 5, it says, Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear children. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. So in the Old Testament, it was the sacrificial system of the animals that was a pleasing aroma to God. In the New Testament, Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, who's also a pleasing aroma to Him. And then He challenges us in the New Testament to understand and embrace our role, our opportunity as God's sacrifice to the world. In 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, it says, Now God uses us 
to spread the knowledge of Christ everywhere. Like a sweet perfume, our lives are like Christ-like fragrance rising up to God. But this fragrance is perceived differently by those who are being saved and by those who are perishing. To those who are perishing, we are a dreadful smell of death and doom. But to those who are being saved, we are a life-giving perfume. I bet you didn't realize that spiritually, you and I give off a scent. By our words and by our actions. And different people, based on where they're at, will view that scent One is pleasing, one is not so pleasing. Here's the best way I can describe that. Uh, Ladies, when you're pregnant, your taste buds go nuts, okay? What used to be pleasing is not so pleasing, you know, anymore. I know that my wife loved, and she would eat, you know, frozen chicken all the time, and as soon as she got got pregnant, she's like, no way, I want nothing to do with that, and she had to have McDonald's french fries sometimes at two in the morning. And it had to be McDonald's, you know, all those lines. And I've heard other, you know, gals, you know, have these like peanut butter and pickle sandwiches and, you know, different things like that. You know, these kind of different cravings, you know, that kind of come and go. We all give off an odor. We give off a smell, and it's not just physically. It's spiritually. So here's the question. What odor are you giving off? What would others say you smell like? Understand that there is a spiritual component that he says that this is what we are. And not only for how we smell, but our, we do have a spiritual purpose for our ability to taste as well. Taste has been given by God as an enjoyment and, uh, for enjoyment and for relationship. You understand that? For enjoyment and for relationship. You know, when I ask you what's the best meal that you've had, I don't know if there'd be even one person in here who would say it was a meal that I had by myself. See, the best meals that you experience are the ones you do in relationship with other people. Isn't it fascinating that that's how kind of God wired us? Think about all the significant uh, celebrations that you have during the course of a year. Try to find one that doesn't involve either food or drink. Right? You think about Thanksgiving, Christmas, birthdays, anniversaries, date nights, gatherings. I mean, I have a hard time as you go through the whole calendar, you know, as we, we look at these different events, there's always food. Why? Could it be that God is using food as an opportunity that actually connects us to one another? In fact, he's the one that came up with the idea. If you look in the Old Testament, all of the festivals that God created for the Jewish people to experience, almost all of them deal with some sort of food or drink that's involved. In fact, the seven festivals or the seven peace, uh, feasts that point to Jesus in the Old Testament are the following. And I don't have time to unpack them. I'm going to ask you to read Leviticus chapter 23. And in it, you'll see in each one of these instances where they were reminded or foretold or encouraged by the coming Messiah, the coming Christ, they would celebrate these festivals. How about Passover, unleavened bread, first fruits, feast of weeks or Pentecost, feast of trumpets, day of atonement, feast of tabernacles or booths. But understand, and we know this as New Testament people, that it's not just the physical nourishment that connects us to God and one another, it's the spiritual meaning that God and his word are nourishment for our souls. Hebrews chapter six tells us those who experienced the good things of heaven and shared in the Holy Spirit who have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the power of the age to come. 
Or in Matthew chapter four, maybe even more famously, when Jesus is being tempted by Satan in the desert, during that time the devil came to him and said, if you're the son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. You've been fasting for 40 days. You are starving. Eat some food. But Jesus told him, no, the scriptures say people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And wouldn't it be like God when he institutes a new covenant? A new covenant is a binding relationship that will last throughout all eternity between God and his people that he wouldn't involve food. See, what he did is he took Passover and he said, this is what I want you to remember. What Passover was to the Old Testament, communion is for God's people. And he says, for I passed on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and he gave thanks to God for it, and he broke it into pieces and said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. Every week we celebrate communion. In Bible times, they would always do it over a meal. They do it in a feast. They would gather people together and they would be reminded the reason which we gather, what bonds us most together is based on the relationship and the sacrifice that we have received from Jesus Christ based on the cross. And so we go into that time of communion on a regular basis. But here's the cool part. Do you understand that our eating doesn't stop on this side of eternity? We're gonna get new bodies and Jesus tells us that we're going to eat again and he's going to eat with us in heaven. That this experience of tasting and smelling doesn't end when we actually perish on this side of eternity. It actually continues as we go into the next. For in Revelation 19 verse 9, it says, And the angel said to me, write this, Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding feast of the Lamb. And he added, These are true words that come from God. What started as Jesus' first miracle, turning water into wine at a wedding feast because it was important for the couple and the people will continue through all eternity as we celebrate our relationship with God and his people. And we're going to eat and not get fat. <laughs> Whatever calories. Oh, yeah, you guys are excited about that. I see. I finally hit a tone tonight. See, as we wrap up this series, I hope that you can now see that God wants us to engage with him and others in deep relational ways with all of our senses, that he wants us to taste and see that he is good, and we best experience him when we have these other elements involved with him at the center. Will you pray with me? Jesus, thank you so much for this opportunity that we have to come alongside and, and to follow you. And I just pray, Father, that if there's anybody watching online, that now would be the moment that uh, you would just say in your own heart and mind, Jesus, I receive you and I want to follow you. And God, I just pray, you know, for um, just the rest of our time together, that uh, as we celebrate communion and as we just get a chance to just to be able to partake together, that you would lead 
and guide our hearts. Engage us in the way that you've created us to engage you and others with you at the center. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.